Our reading this morning is Luke 2, verses 48 through 52. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. You know, open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. I will meet you there in just a moment. We rightly pick today to honor mothers. Folks, that's not why we're here. We are here to honor the God who gave us mothers. And today we can especially be grateful for what it is that God gave our mothers to be. Out of mouths of babes, a teacher asked her students, elementary school age, to answer these questions. She said, why did God make mothers? One of the children answered, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. That's true in our house. Why did God make mothers? Mostly to clean the house. Well, out of the mouth of babes. Why did God make mothers? Help in getting us born. All right, well, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Well, it's because we're related. Because God knew she likes me a whole lot better than other people's moms like me. <laughs> this one's my favorite. What ingredients are mothers made of? God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world. And one dab of mean. <laughs> I quoted on the sermon outline sheet this morning the old proverb that says, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Speaking of the influence of mothers and how it is that a society will turn out by and large about how the family has raised that child, particularly the mother. And as we look today and talk about how it is that we look at mothers most of the time and maybe we don't necessarily give them the honor and the praise uh, the way that we ought to and the respect that maybe we ought to, we're going to spend some time this, evening, this morning looking at the question, why did God give mothers? Or what's a mother's role to be? That probably would have been a better way to phrase that because as I look at the title now, it seems like I'm saying what God gave mothers to be, uh, as in expectant mothers. That's not what that is, right? That's not hyphenated, but it's what God purposed for mothers to have and as far as the role goes and giving honor to the God that gave us mothers, but also giving honor to uh, the mothers and the role that we have them. Eight points this morning and eight different passages of scripture I'm going to ask you to turn to to look briefly at this morning with me. Number one, I want you to understand what God gave mothers to be is present. Present. You have a word there in parentheses and each one of these points is going to come along with one of those because this is the end game. This is the goal for why God gave mothers to train their families and to train the children and to help people to be. God wants us as Christians, as people, to be faithful in our task. Therefore, he gave mothers to be present in the home. 
If you'll take a look at Titus chapter 2, Paul talking to Titus and talking about setting order in the church and making sure that everything ought to be just as it ought to be, he talks about uh, telling the older women to talk to the younger women and teach the younger women there in verses 4 and 5, teach the younger women to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, underline this word, keepers at home. The word is actually a compound word in Greek, and it comes from two words. The first one is the word for house, the Greek word for house, oikos. The second word has to do with keepers. And we might well just put those together in English and say, well, women are supposed to be the housekeepers. That's not the idea. The word keeper has the designation with it of somebody who is a watcher, somebody who is a guardian, somebody who stands at the door of the house and pays attention to the influences of what comes in and what goes out. And when we look at women's roles as far as the home goes, the women need to be present as far as their mothers go in understanding the comings and the goings of the family, but also the influences that are coming into the home. Don't you recall this conversation from when you were growing up or those of you who are still growing up? Somebody invites you over and, or they, they're coming over to your house or you make plans with them and say, okay, Jim's coming over to my house today. Really? I don't know Jim. Who's Jim? Is, is he somebody that you know from school? Is he somebody that you know from, uh, from, from, from your, your dealings with these other people? Uh, why is it I've never met Jim? Who are Jim's parents? What is it that Jim's are responsible for? What is Jim known for? And you get the third degree about Jim. You know what mother's doing there is she is guarding the house. She's keeping you to be the, the person that you, she knows that you need to be. When we look at that responsibility and that joy and that privilege, that's a lost art, folks, in a lot of today's society. Something unique happened during World War II. In the fact that all the men, uh, by and large, went off to fight the war, and what happened is you began to have women that began to go into the workplace, and they began to go to work for the war effort primarily. What happened was, is that they continued that once after the war was gone, or once the war was over, and so it is that you have people of maybe my generation, Generation Xers, that begin to look at things and being termed with a particular term, that is latchkey children, where it is that you have a child with a key that hangs around their neck, so it is that they can go home because when they get there, there's nobody there. And they'll spend maybe two, three, four hours there at home without any kind of influence, without any kind of guard at the door, to the point where it is that, in a lot of respects, we have the society we're living in today. Folks, God gave this particular role for mothers to be doorkeepers, to be watchers over the home, and to make sure that what's coming into the home and what's going out of the home is what God would be pleased with. And we ought to give honor and praise and thanks to mothers who fill that role with faithfulness. God gave mothers to be trainers. Turn your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 11. God gave mothers to be trainers. That is, they're training young people, particularly children, to be self-disciplined. There are two types of instruction. The first type of instruction is instruction instruction, telling you what the rules are. You remember Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. There's an understanding that I'm going to try and teach this child what's right. That's instructive discipline. I'm going to tell you that you shouldn't touch the hot stove. I'm telling you that you should be nice to your brother and sister. That's the instruction. 
The difference between that and if I choose to break that role or I choose to break that commandment is now the other side of discipline, and that is corrective discipline. What you're reading there in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 through 11 is what uh, the Hebrews writer talks about with regard to how God treats us as children. Read the verses, please, beginning verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, that is, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening of which you become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Look at verse 11 just for a moment. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The goal for children, the goal that mothers are trying to get into children, is that they can be people who properly discipline themselves. There ought to be a time where it is that my children grow to the point where I don't have to tell them anything other than this is what's right and they want to do what's right. They want to be self-disciplined enough to actually do what's right. But it is that as they choose the wrong, we are responsible for corrective discipline. And as Paul talks about, here is the training aspect of it. And we're grateful for moms who swatted our hand with a soup spoon. We're grateful for moms who not only provide the instruction for us so that we can be wise children, but also that correction whenever it was that we needed it. And we give honor to moms today who provide not only instructive discipline, but also corrective discipline. Again, and you look around at our world, Benjamin Spock, Dr. Spock, led the way among child-rearing professionals in instructing parents, and he said, you know what, you shouldn't discipline, give corrective discipline to children. He said that doing so would damage the children's ego. It's interesting to me that later in life, Dr. Spock realized that he had made a mistake and said, we have reared a generation of brats. Parents aren't firm enough with their children for fear of losing their love or incurring their resentment. He says, this is a cruel deprivation that we as professionals have imposed on mothers and fathers. Of course, we did it with the best of intentions. We didn't realize until it was too late how our know-it-all attitude was undermining the self-assurance of parents. God gave mothers to be teachers, to be correctors, to be discipliners. Proverbs writer knew this far before Dr. Spock ever came along. Proverbs 29 verse 15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. We give honor to those mothers that have trained us and taught us to be self-disciplined. We give honor and respect to mothers today and the role that God has placed them as encouragers. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Encouragers. What do mothers encourage us to do and what do they encourage us to be? Because they want us to live our lives as people of courage. They want us to live our lives as people who are not needing to be ashamed, but standing, glorifying God, and living our lives in ways that honor and please Him. So what do we encourage our children to do? What do mothers? How did God give mothers to encourage the family? Maybe in working for the Lord. Like Hannah told Samuel to do, and she uh, lent him to the Lord in Second First uh, Samuel chapter two, and learning the word of God, like Lois and like Eunice in Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse five, how God gave the genuine faith, or, or God uh, uh, God let Timothy 
Timothy was under his mother and his grandmother and how he learned their genuine faith. And so he had it for himself, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, to live their lives with conviction. Mothers want their children to live their lives with conviction. That's what Proverbs 1 verses 7 and 8 is all about. It starts with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but note the, note the next verse. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and don't forsake the law of your mother. Oh, mothers have a particular way of saying things so that they make the most impact, don't they? One person said, a mother's lap is the best place from which to launch a life. When you have a mother that's behind you that says, son, I believe you. I know you can do it. Son, I know that you can accomplish that task. Daughter, I know it is that you have it in you to be able to do this. And you realize the encouragement that mothers give. What is it we're encouraging our children to do and to be? When we talk about things, son, you need to get schoolwork done. You need to make sure that you're having the right kind of friends. You, you need to make sure that you're attending all the practices there at the sports game. And you may need to make sure that, that, you know, with regard to your extracurricular activities that you're practicing as, as, as the coach who told, or the band director told you to do. And we want to make sure that you're all squared away with regard to these things in life. But folks, if we fail to emphasize the spiritual aspect of encouraging people to seek God, encouraging our children to look to Him first, seek first the kingdom of God and, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Oh, thank God for mothers that will say, Son, are you reading your Bible daily? Son, tell me something that you've been reading recently that's made an impact on your life. Well, where, where are you in your daily Bible reading? Tell me about what you're praying about. What is it, daughter, that you're, that you're asking God to help you with? When we teach our children and encourage them to seek God and to do that first at home, then we can realize that we have children that are not only self-disciplined, as we talked about earlier, that are going to be faithful in tasks, as we talked about earlier, but they're going to be people that are going to live their lives courageously for the Lord. Thank God for mothers that encourage our children in spiritual direction and help them to realize what God wants them to be more than anything else. Think about this. God gave mothers to be workers. To be workers. The light that shines brightest shines brightest first at home. Look at Proverbs 31 with me just for a few moments. Proverbs 31. Mothers are examples of hard work. If I were just to take this picture of a godly woman beginning in Hebrew, uh, excuse me, Psalm, where are we at? Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10, all the way through the end of the chapter, and you and I were just to look at the verbs of what she does, what the virtuous woman does, what you're going to find is beginning in verse 12, talking about her husband, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 13, she seeks. Verse 14, she's like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. Verse 15, she rises while it's yet night. She provides food for her household. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Verse 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arm. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is good. Verse 19, she stretches out her hands to the distaff. Verse 20, she extends her hands to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. Verse 22, she makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is made of fine linen and purple. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and supplies sashes. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. 
Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Verse 27, she watches over. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. I look at this section of scripture, and I'm exhausted. Looking at all the things that the virtuous woman does, and how the light that shines brightest shines brightest at home. What does God want mothers to be? What did he give mothers to be? He gave mothers to be examples in servanthood. If you don't have children, kiddos, young people, listen to me. Look at the example of how your mom and your dad sacrificially give for you every single day. How it is that they get up and they maybe make you breakfast. How magically, Parker's shaking his head, no, sorry, Parker didn't mean to call you out like that, my bad. Um, how it is that clothes magically reappear in your drawers, nicely neat and folded, and you've got nice clean clothes there on your racks. How does that happen? I don't know. And how it is that, that you get from point A to point B, and how you get from all your extracurricular activities after school, and how it is that even after you go to bed, there's still work to be done. Servanthood. Living examples of what it means to give sacrificially. And how it is that God wants us to learn those lessons first at home. And how a mother who is faithfully serving her family and making a family everything that she knows it needs to be. And how her husband is exalted in the gates and how he sits as a man of respect. The Bible says that an excellent wife is a crown of her husband. And that's exactly right. When you find a woman like this. And young men, let me encourage you, since I'm already talking to you, and since you're already red in the face, right? Let me encourage you. You want a woman that pleases the Lord more than anything else. Take to memory, take to heart what he says here in Proverbs 31. And young ladies, let me encourage you. You seek to be that virtuous woman, that woman whose worth is far above rubies. How it is that charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised, the Bible says. You seek to be that type of woman, and young men, you seek that type of woman. And I know it is that God's going to bless your life in ways you can't hardly imagine. Thank God for mothers who are examples of servanthood and helping us to be people who please him. Number next, God gave mothers to be watchers. God gave mothers to be watchers. Since you're already there in Proverbs chapter 31, Take a look at verse 1. This is the words of King Lemuel, most likely believed to be Solomon. The utterments with his mother taught him. As you look at the following verses, you're going to find a young man who is learning about integrity. Everything that's said about Proverbs 31, verses 3 and following, particularly verses 8 and 9. This is what his mother taught him. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and please the cause, plead the cause of the poor and of the needy. Consider the message that so many people are giving today to their children. You know what, son? You know what, daughter? You deserve to be happy. Isn't that what Rebecca told Jacob? Whenever it was, she told him that we can go ahead and deceive the dad. That's not integrity. You look at the message, you need to be successful. Son, you need to have everything, the world at your feet, have it your way. Isn't that somewhat of the message that Eli gave his sons when it was that they were worthless and stealing from the offerings and mistreating people in 1 Samuel chapter 3? What we're talking about is character. 
We're talking about integrity. We want our children to do what's right, not because mom says so. And we have those moments where it is, you're going to do this because I said so. But ultimately understanding that the wisdom that we want to try and impart to our children is we want them to do right because it's the right thing to do. We want them to follow after the Lord because that's the right thing to do. And so it doesn't matter if there's nobody else around. Proverbs 15 verse 3 says, The lies of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch over the good of the evil. If you're by yourself, you're going to be a person who does the right thing. That's what we want for our children. And thank God for mothers that want their children to be people of integrity more than anything else. That's why it is that mothers that watch their children, and you see Junior trying to sneak an extra brownie off the table or off the pan of brownies or, or grab onto the little quarter, the, the little pieces, and trying to sneak extra whenever we've already told them no. There's watching there that's taking place and saying, listen, that's not right. Not just because I said it's wrong, but because you need to do what's right even if nobody else sees we want our children to be people of integrity and thank God for mothers. God gave mothers to be watchers in the home, so it is that we can be people of integrity. God gave mothers to be comforters. Turn your Bibles, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible tells us that we as Christians need to be people who rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Romans 12 verse 15. The Bible tells us that we as Christians need to be people that stand in trials with other people and encourage them. But note how Paul talks about his relationship with this Thessalonian church and how he begins to visit with them about, about their genuine faith that, that he knew that they had and how they were remaining faithful even though he only spent uh, three Sabbaths with them. And he sends back Timothy to talk to the Christians and Timothy comes back with a joyous report and now Paul is writing to these Christians and he's saying this in Proverbs, Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7. He says, But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Oh, thank God for mothers in the home that are comforters like that. Children scrapes her knee. Child pushes him down. Who do they come running to? Mommy, right? Why? <laughs> because dad may just say, son, get up, suck it up. It's, you're all right. Son, you, you just go, just go. No, he goes to mom because there's something special there with that tender relationship of a mother who's able to doctor all the boo-boos, who's able to take care of the owies and the ouchies. And there's a tenderness there to where it is that's just the embrace of a mother and the warm, caring, compassionate understanding that she's able to offer that gives comfort to that child. There's a blessing there of the way God put that woman there in the family and how she's able to fill that role where it is that dad may not necessarily be as compassionate or as open with the, with the child. There's honor in the role of the mother because there's a tenderness that come, doesn't come quite the same as anywhere else. God gave mothers, so it is that we can be people who are full of empathy. Where we can... Feel what others feel. Where we can, as we talked about last Sunday evening, put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. Where we can behave more as people who operate according to the golden rule. 
Whatever you want men to do to you, you do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. As Jesus would say those words, looking and recognizing his empathy with humanity. So it is, godly mothers will empathize with us and feel and hurt when we hurt, so we can be people of empathy. Thank God for mothers and the role that he's placed them in. Think about this one. God gave mothers as intercessors. God gave mothers as intercessors. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible tells us that we as Christians ought to pray without ceasing. James would tell us that the righteous, effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has much power while it's working. When we look at interceding for somebody else, standing in the way for somebody else, or offering petitions on somebody else's behalf, and we look at the role that mothers play in the family, how it is that like Hannah, she begins to talk to Eli, and Eli uh, had, had originally accused her of being drunk, and she prayed, uh, saw her lips moving, but, she, but she wasn't, there weren't any words coming out. And he, uh, Hannah was praying because her anguish was so much. And she prayed for God for a son, and God gave her that son as she took him back to Eli. Look at what she says, chapter 1 and verse 26 of 1 Samuel. She said, Oh, my Lord, speaking to Eli, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord for this child I have prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I have asked of him. Therefore, I also lent him to the Lord. As long as he should live, he shall be lent to the Lord. And so they worshiped the Lord there. There is honor given to a mother who has prayed for her children. God, help my child. I know Johnny at school is dealing with that bully. I know he's having trouble because there's young people around him that are trying to get him to cheat on that test. God, you help him and you be with him. And may it be that he's a person of integrity and may he make the right choices. Intercession. God, be with my daughter. She's dealing with that hard breakup. She really was into that boy. And it was that he turned away from her. And God, now she's dealing with fallout. Help her through this. Help me to be a good encouragement in her life. May she turn to you in her despair and her difficulty. So it is that she can be a person that always leans upon you no matter who it is that is in her life or who it is that's out of her life. May she trust in you more than anything else. Intercession. Pray for your children and thank God for godly mothers who prayed for us as we were growing up and wanting to pray for our children. If you've still got children at home, let me practically tell you, start praying now if you haven't been for their future mates. Even from the youngest ages, God, be with the parents of whoever it is my child's going to pick as their spouse. May it be that they're training them up in integrity. May it is that they, they're training them up so that it is that they'll know how to treat my daughters, how they'll treat them as women of respect and, and honor and, and hold them up. God, may it be that they're a godly couple. And may it be that you provide for them somebody in their life that can help them to get to heaven. We need mothers like that, and that's Part of the reason why God gave mothers, so that they can be intercessors, so we can be wisdom, we can be full of wisdom, we can be teachable. Last one, God gave mothers as counselors, as counselors. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, 
Ruth is really an interesting book. Because the more you read Ruth, you realize it's not really about Ruth. It's not really about Ruth. It starts, the book begins in chapter 1 with a woman by the name of Naomi. And this woman named Naomi is a woman who has two sons, and she has a husband. And they leave out of uh, Judah, and they go down into the land of Moab. While they're there in Moab, because there's a famine in the land. While they're there in Moab, Naomi loses her husband. Her two sons get wives, Ruth and Orpah. Then she loses her two sons. What she's left with are these two daughters-in-law that are not of her people. And she tells them to go back to her people because it is that she's not going to have any more children. And how it is that, uh, that they just need to go back to their own people and find husbands of them. And you remember Ruth saying, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people are going to be my people and your God is going to be my God. I'm not going to leave you, Naomi. What it is is getting Naomi from this bitter, angry resentful mindset as a mother all the way until chapter 4 at the very end where you see Naomi again holding the future of Israel in her arms. But as it is, Naomi is the one who comes up with the counsel for Ruth to go and uncover the feet of Boaz there as he's in the threshing floor. And how it is she realizes that Boaz is the one who's going to be their kinsman redeemer or has the potential for that. And take a look at chapter 3 and verse, uh, uh, what did I say, 18? And she said, speaking to Ruth, Naomi says this, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. As she gives her daughter-in-law, her daughter, this wisdom and trying to help her to understand what she ought to do and, and where it is that she ought to turn and how it is that she ought to be patient and wait. Thank God for mothers that are able to give wisdom and counsel to all of us who need it so badly. Even today, I love to call my mom and say, Mom, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? And when she says, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, I can pay attention to that because I recognize that mom's wisdom has helped keep me to who I am longer than it has in any other way. That's why Solomon said, listen to your father who begot you and don't despise your mother when she's old. Buy the truth and don't sell it and also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. And let her who bore you rejoice. Proverbs 23, verse 22 and 23. God gave mothers to be counselors for their children. To give them wisdom and guide them in understanding. Because again, as we talked about earlier, we want our children to be wise children, making wise choices, and looking at down the end of the path of what, that they've set their feet to and say, where is this choice going to get me? Where is this choice going to lie? And mothers have this ability to, to not only see those things, wise mothers to do, but also be able to say, let's walk through the journey together. And let's take a look and see how this path is going to end. If it is that you choose to do that. There's wisdom in asking mom. Mom, what do you think about this? I, I brought this girl home to, to, for you to, 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 to meet. What do you think about her? When we open ourselves up like that, we're asking for somebody's wisdom. We're asking for them to help us to take off the rose-colored glasses. As one man said, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener, right? You understand that there's things that I may not necessarily perceive if it is that I'm dating this young man or this young woman, and it is that asking for somebody with wisdom, they can provide that counsel for us in a godly way.
And realizing God gave mothers as counselors to talk to, to be available, to be present, as we talked about earlier, to be knowledge about what's going on in this child's life. We honor this role of mother. We honor this role as counselor. It is that you look over this list and you realize all of the things that God gave mothers to be and you say, you know, my mother wasn't that. My mother didn't fit half of these, if even a quarter of these. If I can, with all honesty and all love, tell you, to some point, you were cheated out of God's plan for what a mother's role should be. If it is that, again, we're not talking about somebody that sin sinlessly, uh, perfectly filled each one of these roles, but we're talking about somebody who's trying to do what's right according to the Lord. And if you didn't have that, at least in some respect, there was a robbery that took place. But understand this. Jesus gives us a place where it is that we can have what it was that maybe we missed in a worldly upbringing. Jesus gives us a people in which we can have something that maybe we didn't have outside of Christ. It's interesting to me that the rich young ruler had just walked away. Perhaps Peter could still see him going. And Peter turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, look, we've left everything we have. And Matthew, Luke just gives that detail. Matthew gives a detail that he said, what are we going to get? Lord, we've left everything behind and we're faithfully following you. It's interesting to me that in Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30, Jesus says this. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. Brothers and sisters, I may not necessarily be able to personally Give thanks and honor to a mother who didn't fulfill those roles that God purposed. You may have had a miserable mother when you were growing up. And for that, I'm sorry. But I want you to understand that we can honor and we can glorify God. Because in the church, I have thousands of mothers. I have thousands of mothers who are trying to work that way and that can be that source of wisdom and encouragement for me and that can offer me a loving rebuke from time to time when I need it and that can train me to be a person of wisdom and help me to see an example of servanthood and godliness and all of those things we've talked about this morning. Thank God for the church because we have that example that we can look to and we can say, God, thank you so much for godly mothers that are trying to live according to your word and not according to what the world says that a mother should be or what a mother shouldn't be, but it is that she's trying to be a godly woman every single day. Thank you, mothers, that are trying to do that. And I hope this lesson has been encouraging for you, and I hope it is that it can be a thing that you can give honor to whom honors do. Open your songbooks, please, and open them to the song that Roger announced just a few moments ago. Brothers and sisters, God's way works. Brothers and sisters, God's way is perfect. It is we who fall short. It is we that don't always speak 
with the law of kindness, but as we who acknowledge ourselves in humility under the mighty hand of God and realize that through Jesus Christ, God looks at us and he says, there's a perfect ten. It is only through his blood that we stand righteous before God. And if you have never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are still in your sins. You are still accountable for your sins. What the Bible tells us is the way that we can be free from sin is that we have to believe in Jesus. Jesus would say to, the, to his disciples, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We've got to repent of our sins. I've got to say, listen, this mindset that I've been living in, this mindset that I've been living with is not right. I want to try and go God's way for the rest of my life. I want to do what his will is. I realize that his way is so much higher than my way. and His, way, his will is so much better than my will. And every single day I'm going to stand up and I'm going to live for that. That's repentance. I'm going to change my mind and change my attitude towards sin, which is going to lead me to a direction, change the direction of life. I'm going to go God's way. I'm going to confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to be baptized into water for the forgiveness of my sins. That's God's plan. And if it is that you've never submitted to that plan, it is that you're still in your sins. That's not my word. That's the word of God. And I can show you exactly where if you're so interested in seeing but if it is that you've been living your life and you haven't been living according to God's plan, if it is that it, you find your life being more of a mess than anything else, folks, we're here to encourage, to help, and to sometimes offer course correction, to offer wisdom and an arm to lean on and a shoulder to cry on. So it is that we can all together say we're on our way to heaven and that's where we're going to go. And so it is as we honor mothers today. Let's honor the Creator in submitting to His plan as we stand and sing our invitation song.